With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back. Let's get excited. This is not going to be a very exciting podcast. But please listen. Way to sell it. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I don't have much silver lining to discuss today. Spoiler alert. Um, on Marquette's three-game losing streak. The only silver lining, and I guess we'll start there, um, Marquette losing to Creighton and Providence uh, in two games that were somewhat but not exceedingly competitive this week. Um, And I don't have much to say positively other than these are understandable losses. I mean, I had a, I had a tweet, Ben. Did you see I had a tweet? You tweet? I tweet sometimes. I had a tweet, which is such a lame way to start a sentence. Um, <laughs> but I had a tweet that basically said, all three of the last losses are understandable in a vacuum. It sucks that they all come in a row and at a time when we have extremely recent precedent for – um, the program struggling, uh, but it puts all the emphasis on making sure you don't lose to Georgetown because Creighton's the best team in the conference right now. Villanova best team in the country? Question mark. I mean, borderline. I, if you're going purely on form, they're freaking amazing right now. But like Creighton's yeah. best team in the conference, Villanova, you've never won there. And uh, an 11 a.m. Central Time game on Saturday morning at the dunk is a freaking miserable draw. So all three are reasonable in a vacuum. However, they just suck in concert. Yeah. Much like Bob Dylan. They suck in concert. That was a good reference. I, uh, I kind of equate this last stretch of four games in many ways to the way that this team started off in conference play because it involved a road loss to a stupid hot team. Well, we lost to Seton Hall on the road and uh, lost to Creighton on Wednesday. Uh, a big gutsy home win against Villanova and then here this time against Butler. Uh Unfortunate loss to Providence somehow, and then a road loss to another top-tier conference team. And so, again, like I, I very much agree with your statement that it's less about the individual games itself and more about the stretch that they are currently embarked on. And it does need to flip around for my own sanity because boy if they lose to georgetown 
I'm going to be comparing this year to last year all over again. Well, I mean, it's a really uh, spot-on analogy because Georgetown was the fourth loss in the regular season streak to end last year, Georgetown at home. Now, it wasn't senior – it won't be the last game of the regular season like it was last year, but – it's essentially the same game. Um, I would say this losing streak right now is a little more understandable and um, reasonable within the context of the season than that losing streak was. Um, and if you read what Marcus said in the post-game press conference, there I have a sense that regardless of the adversity we don't have a house divided trying to win where it seemed very clearly last year that the players weren't getting along through the struggles. And that was part of the issue. And that's how we end up with the house of brothers transferring. Um, mm-hmm. So in that sense, I'm less concerned and I'm less panicky. Um, I, am a little bit concerned again about our dear friend Sakaranum. Um oh, based on a based on a conversation I had earlier today with uh, our friend and colleague Paint Touches, he made a good point that Sakar's play is very much based on his own confidence, seemingly. And this recent stretch of his offensively is a wee bit reminiscent to what we saw from him earlier in the year when we were right worried about whether or not he was actually a good player. And it's like, th- like that stretch early on that lasted until basically after the Orlando tournament. Right. And I worry, up. I worry about the, stretch that he's on right now yeah i mean i think if you really want to delve into what's going on um with this losing streak uh the offense has been much worse as a whole um than it was uh for the start of biggie's play um the turnover monster is a little bit back um the shooting, especially to start games, has been really bad. Do you, you um, want to learn something that I just found out trying to follow up on my Sakar stuff? What was that? He is four of his last 22 from three-point range. Yeah, I mean, so that checks out. Yeah, it goes along directly with your point about the shooting. He led He led the team in scoring against um, Creighton. Am I yeah. right in saying that? Yeah, he did, because Marcus only had 13. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he led the team in scoring against Creighton, but he had a sub-100 offensive rating in that game. Yeah, 2 of 9 from 3 will do that, right. too. That's what kills him. Um, and then he had an absolute clunker against Providence with 2 points in 29 minutes um, and a 65-0 rating. Um, speaking of offensive clunkers, uh, do you want to get it out of the way, or should we... I knew I knew this was coming. It's um, a really it's a really tough stretch for your boy, especially considering the fact that 
his three worst games of the year have all come directly after I wrote a praising article about the progress that he has made over conference play. I am speaking, of course, of our dear friend Brendan Bailey. And I would uh, also say, especially since his understudy is seemingly gathering some offensive and defensive momentum as well. Yeah, uh, Jamal Kane has uh, playing better. Has definitely impressed recently, and it sparked a little bit of conversation with regards to the lineup construction for this team and how some of the on the court, off the court numbers, especially on the defensive end, heavily favor a lot more playing time of Jamal Kane, Greg Elliott, and Jace Johnson. I have seen such chatter. Would you like to elaborate? So I very recently found an excellent tool called hoop-explorer.com. And in that website, you can do some searches based on different uh, parameters. And so what I did was I looked at all of the possessions without Ed Morrow and after or outside of garbage time and looked at some of the best lineups that are out there. And the thing about this one is that uh, it'll give you all the stats for on the court, off the court. So it's not just, oh, the final scoring margin with this player on the court is this and without him on it's this it'll give you like the two point percent on offense and defense for both it'll give you turnovers all that stuff and the way it's going right now jamal kane greg elliott and jace johnson on the court either together or separately seem to be just destroying worlds on defense, especially close to the rim, while also being able to provide at least comparable offense to what we are currently experiencing when Brendan Bailey, Sakar Annam, and Kobe McEwen are on the court. So there's been some recent discussion about maybe getting those lads some more playing time. It's not completely at the point where if you remember in the 2017 and the 2018 season where the defense with Marcus Howard and Andrew Rousey on the court was so bad that it was not justifying the offensive contributions for them but in the middle of a stretch like this it might be something for Wojo to consider um, my one counter to those three guys would be, I think this has been Theo John's best stretch of his entire career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would, I would definitely agree with that on both ends as an, as an aggregate. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as Jace, um, is good and is good in, um, small samples and, you know, limited minutes, um, I really think over the last couple of games we've seen something from Theo John that is is 
what I have been kind of talking about um, where I've said that, you know, Theo John is, or Tyreek Jones is aspirational Theo John. Mm. And he's really seem, he really seems to be figuring out his physicality because mm-hmm. so much of his career has sort of been an odyssey of, trying to learn how to use the immense strength and physical gifts he has um, on the basketball court in a way that doesn't just foul him out instantly. Um, That really has been his, his whole career to this point. And he had, he has really channeled it lately. It's just unfortunate that the team is kind of mired in this stretch because I think that's kind of going under the radar. But I do agree with you that there's cause to look at Greg Elliott and Jamal Cain on a, on a greater level than sort of how this team found its rhythm at the, be, uh, at the beginning of conference play um, in the early middle of conference play. How about that? Describe yeah. when, won six, when they won six of seven they really sort of found a consistency um, where they were playing a ton of Howard, McEwen, Annam, Bailey, John. And Mm -hmm. Jace Jace mixed in a lot, but they're really – Greg was out for most of that stretch, and Kane didn't play a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And so I think now at this point with those five struggling as a unit – and Bailey McEwen and him struggling individually, you it's worth looking at sort of an even seven um, as opposed to giving so much time to that primary five. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, to your point, the starting lineup as it is right now, the peak of that lineup is definitely higher than uh, what's the what a bigger mix in of Elliot Kane and Johnson provides in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a lineup that does need to get better no matter what. It's not like completely replacing their uh, minutes with those three guys would fix everything, but I think it's worth looking at more and that's more of a compliment to what to Kane Elliott and Jace because you know we were saying earlier this year like before the year started that like Greg Elliott could be the key to a big season and he hasn't really been discussed much because of the type of role that he has and if he can find himself getting five extra minutes for the rest of these games, he could really show his type of chops. Same with the same with Jamal Kane. He's probably the most athletic guy on this team. And yeah, I, I, I'm still not entirely sure what that sort of balance looks like, but yeah, I I hope that we can start to see more of that or at least some sort of 
small change from Wojo that can hopefully kick these guys into gear because this is a very important stretch coming up. Well, I don't really know if I think watching the last three games that there's like a particular tweak that needs to be made. I just think there's no possible way you can lose Wednesday's game, can afford to lose Wednesday's game. Correct. It's not like, oh, the – because you can't really fix bad shooting. Yeah, 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 that's a good point. Yeah, they did miss a ton of open shots they're, against they're Villanova and Creighton. open shots, especially to start games, and they just don't mm-hmm. have a lot of confidence as shooters right now. Kobe mm-hmm. McEwen and Shakar Adam in particular are sort of all over the place as shooters. Bailey, Bailey as well as someone that has contributed um, a lot of rhythm catch and shoots this year that are not dropping right now. Um, mm-hmm. And with those guys all struggling, the offense is not playing well enough that the defense can. Because I actually thought the defense to start the Providence game was pretty good. Uh, and they just had Pipkins on an unreal heater uh, mm-hmm. where he was throwing crap in that he hasn't made all season. He's He has really struggled. He's been maybe the primary reason that Providence has struggled as much as they have because he was expected to come in and be this impact player right away, and it's taken him a, lo- a really long time to get going, and he was unbelievable uh, against Marquette on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so at the beginning, I was really like, wow, they're just getting buried by this impossibly good performance um, from a team that's not that good. I mean, uh, Providence is a bottom half three-point shooting team um, in the nation. They are a bottom 50 two-point shooting team so they're just not a good shooting team and they just came out absolutely guns blazing and I didn't think Marquette's defense was necessarily horrible Mm -hmm. um so I guess the the larger point is that I don't see I'm not particularly frustrated by anything besides the losing like, I'm not, oh, Wojo needs to play this guy more, or mm-hmm. Wojo is mismanaging certain situations like this. Now, does it suck that the pick and roll continues to, you know, eat them alive? Yes. Um, but that was happening when they were winning. So mm-hmm. it's just a really tough stretch of three games where there are clear flaws and there are is an immense lack of confidence. And it kind of all builds up to this game Wednesday where if they don't win it, it's, you know, everything hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But now, yeah, I guess to your point about, like, the uh, like the only thing that sucks about it is losing. Like, at this point last year, even though we didn't necessarily know what was going on, in the locker room specifically, we did know that something was up with Marcus and the turnovers were a gigantic problem. Like that was something that we could point to and be like, yes, this right here specifically 
is going incredibly wrong in a way that we don't necessarily understand why it's happening that way. Right. For we, I mean, obviously we can point more to like the McEwen's Anims and Bailey's of the world, but it's something that they have gotten past at different points of the year. And so to that end, it seems a lot more likely to be fixed yep. than what happened last year. Um, I would argue it's not an overwhelmingly different stretch than the January 1st to January 11th stretch. The big difference, obviously, is that those three really frustrating losses to start the conference season were sandwiched around a huge, emotional, incredible win over Villanova. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you have three frustrating losses like this in a row, it's, there's just no good feeling. I mean, they haven't won since February 9th. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's more than two weeks ago now. Um, and I think that part of what's fueling the negativity is just that it's nothing has gone super positively in a full two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I saw someone tweet that Wojo is something like nine games under 500 now in February and March, um, which is not great. Um, now that, however, factors in teams that were very bad, um, two, at least two of them that were very bad, depending on how you feel about the NIT team. Um, but Although that NIT team, how many games did we win in the tournament? Two? In the NIT? Yeah, beat Oregon. Yeah, they, lost to, and they lost to the eventual champions in the, the final eight. Hey, you know what they said all year? Ain't nothing stopping Penn State in the NIT that year. That's correct. I also like Penn State in the tur- in the real tournament this year, but I will not make my yeah, shout out Mike Watkins for looking like a forty five year old accountant. Yeah, dude, that guy's a chunk. I mean, honestly, the only reason he looks so much older than he does is his absolutely killer stash. Yes, it's great. Before we go on a brief tangent, I'm. Before we get off this brief tangent, I mean, I mean, I am extraordinarily, not extraordinarily, I am inordinately high on a couple of uh, Big Ten teams this year for the tournament, okay. and I just know, I just know they're gonna they're gonna kill me because I'm gonna put too much stock in them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is Penn State. Another one, okay. another one is Illinois. Mm. Um, one that I absolutely love, and I know I'm going to take super far because of how well they've been playing lately, is Michigan. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't <laughs> see myself getting burned by them. I haven't watched them basically They're since they... They're up to they... 10 in Kenpom. Are they really? Yeah. I haven't and seen they... them at all since, like, they started struggling. I just... Well, right. They've never, they've never been on. When When Big Ten play resumed in... Uh, January, they lost. They they were they were one in five to start like the main Big Ten season. They were yeah, so yeah. 
they had started the Big Ten season uh, two and six, mm-hmm. and they've won seven of eight now, mm-hmm. um, including – and that's not all Big Ten because there is a win over one solitary Rutger um, – <laughs> on that list uh by the way Rucker is why am i saying that's not big, big 10? 10 what is big 10 <laughs> um no i, was, I don't so want to completely derail allow me to but... allow me to explain my mistake here um it says neutral so that's why i was thrown ken palm oh, played, they played a neutral court game because it was that msg that's weird. why I don't know why that's a neutral court game. Sorry, Rutgers, you're obviously in the Big Ten, and you're actually quite good this year. Yeah, I'm very Although they are going to get matched up with them in the tournament. That is my my main fear. Is Is Rutgers? Yes, I do not want them in the tournament. Oh, dude, but they're still... But look at their schedule. It's just like every game they play at home, they win, and every game they play on the road, they lose. It's literally that guy. For the most part, except I Michigan, am uh, not the biggest believer in the stickiness of uh, road away performances necessarily. Oh man, but look, but look, just I mean, literally, like if you look at their schedule, the red ones are away and the green ones are home. I. This is a great tangent, by the way. We're about three to four minutes into this Big Ten, mid-tier Big Ten teams tangent. I nice. like. It. Yeah, I, I guess I like. I know that there are some teams that have performed like poorly outside of the outside their own arena. I just, for whatever reason, it's never registered to me that that is something that can carry over as that does carry over as much as we think. Unless it's like just stupid, like they're getting blowed out. I want to fight time. you on this. We should take a break <laughs> and come back after we're we take a break. Do we have anything else to say about the losing streak? I think we've talked enough about it. Uh, yeah, we're fine. Marcus we need to talk about Georgetown well. a little bit, yeah, um, but not a ton, and I want to do some more general stuff uh, on the other side. So let's take a break, and then we'll talk more about Rutgers. Okay, more Rutgers talk. No, uh, I am going to fight you on this. Rutgers has played a grand total of 28 games. They have played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games away from the rack. They have won. One of those games. Okay, I think I. They have I guess played. My, my they have played 18 games at the rack. And my general opinion is that can actually be described as it's descriptive of past events. I don't think it's predictive of future events. Okay, I suppose. I just think if you're if you're one in nine on the road, and Excuse me, road and neutral. You're one and nine road and neutral because they're counting MSG as neutral here, and then they played a neutral court game in Toronto against St. Bonaventure, which is a thing that happened. Why? Uh, that they lost. That they lost. 
Um, they're they're one in nine neutral and road, and the one is Nebraska. Um, go Nebraska ball. Yeah, Nebraska. For those unaware, are are seven and nineteen. Um, so they've and then they're seventeen and one at home. So, <laughs> my I, I guess I I understand your point, but. That is not a team that I would put stock behind when they are such Jekylls and Hydes home and away. Yeah, I, mean, I can go. I can go with the whole, with the Jekyll and Hyde thing. Um, but I've also I've also I also have seen them play a decent amount. Um, I think. Uh, Aquasi Aboa is stupid underrated, even though Oh, he... this is the guy that we wanted Marquette to get. Wait, we were in on him? Well, he was like one of the big grad transfer names, and yeah, because he was the Stony Brook guy. And oh, yeah, yeah. he was one of the big grad transfer names when it was like, what does Marquette need? Probably a wing. Um, wow, I would have loved him. So he was one of the guys I'd forgotten this is where he went. I didn't realize that we had discussed him, maybe. I don't know, I don't know if Marquette was actually ever in on him, but he was a name that I remember at the start of the offseason when you're just starved for, like, I need to pay attention to college basketball, so I'm not ready for this to be weaned off of this dopamine. Um, oh, yeah. And you're just, like, plumbing grad transfers, especially after you've just lost um, two very good parts of your program. Uh he was one of the names that came up, I remember. But And then Jace Johnson was the result. And you know what? Jace Johnson has been great. Shout out, Jace. Uh, I kind of want to uh, – I know you mentioned that you want to talk about Georgetown a little bit. I would maybe want to go more brief on them because I'd love to talk about how cool it would be to win on Saturday against Seton Hall. That's interesting. We are certainly not going to save a podcast uh, before that. Are you going? No. I'd have to take a day off work. It's just not going to be able to happen. And I've I'm already taken a bunch of days off in March, partially because of basketball, partially because of a trip to New York to visit my sister, not to go to the Big East tournament, although I might be able to go to one of those games. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't, it's, uh, it's unfortunately not going to work out because, uh, I do have a real life and job that need to be attended to. And I blew off most of that last week to go to St. Louis for Mardi Gras. So big, important Ben, big real life and job. It is very unfortunate, but Um, uh, rest assured, I will be curled up in my apartment talking to no one stress the hell out about making sure that Marcus gets the best send off possible. Well, I will be going, I will be there and I'm excited. Um, it, it, it's going to be nuts. Uh, yeah. Um, it would be a lot better if Marquette would beat Georgetown. So there was, so there would be more positive excitement and less anxiety. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Going into that game on a four-game losing streak, especially with the last one being as devastating as losing to Georgetown would be, would be really, really freaking bad. Yeah, it's it's definitely a get-right game, and if if we're able to pull that off with a relative amount of ease, which honestly should happen, it's a home game against uh, objectively one of the bottom teams in the Big East. Um, if they're able to get out of that with minimal issues i think that it could be a pretty darn good storm for something cool to happen excuse me on saturday because that's also going to have again as long as marquez is able to take care of business on wednesday that could get like a decent amount of national hype in large part because of what that could mean for the all-american race Right, and it's because, just a down of the signature players. Mm-hmm. Even though Miles Powell has very much struggled over the last uh, couple months, for being honest, uh, it's still like two players that, when they're hot, are really special to watch. And in front of a senior day crowd, most of them will be crying towards the end, in addition to the recent uh, developments. Yeah, I mean, in those, terms of, don't think those two teams like each other very much. No, I, I don't think so. I, I'm, I, you can find me getting very mad online uh, before and or after the game. Uh, yeah. Of that Seton Hall game. Yeah. It, I can it'll, tell it'll, you that the people that are on Marquette Twitter do not dislike any other college basketball team with the exception of quite possibly the Wisconsin Badgers as vehemently as they do Seton Hall. I would almost say that the intensity is, it's more of a duller hate of Wisconsin basketball, but the intensity uh, of the Seton Hall hatred, especially in the direction of Miles Powell is, is Marquette's strongest um, market Twitter's strongest vitriol, with the possible exception of national college basketball writers who discredit Marcus Howard's National Player of the Year stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so honestly, there's a part of me that wants like both of them to go off and for Marcus to be the one who ultimately makes the big shots at the end that separates him from Powell, even though both have like, I don't know, 30 plus point games or something like that, just because I know that's that would generate talk around the media. Like if, like if both players end up with 20 points on like nine of 19 shooting, then that's not really going to stir up attention on Sunday evening, Monday morning. But if this is like some sort of like classic performance that Marcus pulls out and then gives like a rousing speech where he shotguns a Miller Lite on the Pfizer Forum court, then... Bro, can you imagine Marcus Howard shotgunning a Miller Lite? There's a part of me that thinks that he has not even touched a beer in his life because that would mean that that's a second that he's not focusing on basketball 
And if he doesn't focus on basketball for one second, then he crumbles and dies. I just like my image of like what a person shotgunning in Miller Lite looks like, and then Marcus Howard's um, innocent soul. Um, <laughs> they just don't. Um, they just the two things don't compute. Yeah, they definitely don't mesh. Yeah, it's a big it, it's a big game though. Um, it's kind of tough though, as I mentioned, to look at it right now and get hyped for it. If we if we mm-hmm. were if Marquette had not gone on this three game losing streak, say they won the Creighton game, or yeah, yeah I mean. It, it, if if this game had happened before the Villanova game, it would be such a hype atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely. Think right now, people are just sort of the Larry David gif about this team right now. Which I think, <laughs> wow, wow. I think I may have directly ripped that off from Joe McCann because I think that's his that's his summary of the team right now. Yeah. That's, um, that's people are discussion. so that about the team right now that it's hard to get hyped for that kind of big, big showdown. But I think if they get right against Georgetown, by the way, Georgetown, quick aside, Mac McClung has played eight minutes in six games. Huh. Um, so huh. Mac McClung noted, um, karate kid villain. Um, <laughs> had 24 points against Marquette in the first matchup, which went down to the wire. Mm-hmm. Um, this Georgetown team is, would not nearly be as competitive against Marquette um, without Matt McClung. So something to monitor there. Anyway, something that's probably about- all I can say about Georgetown. Um, but just win that game, and then the hype is real, and that matchup will be everything you want it to be from an emotional standpoint. And we did, we did say last week, like as long as they take care of Georgetown DePaul and St. John's, like our goal during the podcast last week was to finish out the season four and two. And we had kind of assumed a Creighton loss at that point. And so it more or less came down to winning at Providence or at home against Seton Hall. And this is probably, Winning at home against Seton Hall is in all likelihood the less likely of the two, but like, uh, I don't game. know if I agree with that. I just don't think Marquette is equipped to beat Creighton. I don't think oh, they no, do. I, I meant between Seton Hall and Providence. Oh, okay. Yeah, because because yeah, we did kind of knock the Creighton game as a loss. You're right. Okay, I know what you mean. But I definitely, if I was looking at what are the most likely like how would I rank them the remaining six when there were six remaining I would have definitely put the Seton Hall one as a more likely win than the Creighton one because Creighton is yeah yeah classic bad matchup for a team that doesn't close down shooters well mm-hmm. uh, or stay in front of uh ball rotation well yeah um, can we talk, can we briefly mention that there is a decent likelihood that Tyshawn Alexander next year is a first team All American. Yeah, we this has been I mean he is he's phenomenal. He shut down Marcus Howard on Wednesday. 
Like, completely took him out of the game. Yeah, I think two-way is, is an underrated... His two-way game is extremely underrated, and he's also um, a legitimately phenomenal shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the combination of him and Balak and Zegs to a certain extent, although yeah. Zegs is primary attribute isn't that it's being subtly the best point guard in the big east he uh, also shot seven of seven from three on sunday zags did yeah jeez that's unfair also um, quick quick tangent to the tangent uh the tangent late in the broadcast on wednesday uh i forget who was announcing the marquette game but uh in referencing Mitch Ballack, uh, they said that he is just outside of Kansas City. Um, he is from a town, Eudora, Kansas, which is famously not anywhere close to Kansas City. Similar, like, similar to Creighton, it's somewhere in Middle of America. Kind of along those same lines. In the, yeah. word, in the words of John Rothstein. But it, like... Probably, I think Eudora's like, what, like 40 minutes outside of KC, something like that. But I think it's right along 70, so it might take a little bit shorter than that. But, like, the same distance would cause someone from Chicago, if someone were saying that the equivalent distance is a suburb of Chicago, it would cause them to roll their eyes a little bit. And that was, and that was Kansas geography with Ben. Yeah. Always, always trying to get the people to learn as much as possible, because God knows you all need it. Anyhow, <laughs> um, ooh, what? Nothing. I was gonna. I, was, I had something maybe like for the wrap up portion, but oh, if you had, go, like, go to it. I was gonna. I my idea for the wrap up portion was gonna be talk about teams we like. I was going to give a quick update on another team that we need to be paying attention to going into March, uh, the Marquette women's team. Oh, yes. Uh, you had mentioned because that. We talk about this. They are starting to become a little bit interesting because if you all recall last year, Carolyn Krieger, the coach of the team last year, uh, bolted for the Penn State job. And in her stead came along Megan Duffy, who, along with uh, all the departing seniors from last year, was tasked with uh, essentially a rebuild job. And to that end, it started off with uh, the team getting picked ninth in the Big East going into this year by the coaches. So there were the expectations were very, 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 very low. And now they are in a position to, in all likelihood, make the tournament, which is pretty fun. They did have a pretty big slip-up against uh, Villanova on Friday. Uh, Villanova, uh, they have not followed in uh, the men counterparts' footsteps by being a good team. They are, in fact, a fairly bad team. Um, so that loss, and it was a blowout loss, too. I think it was like 14 points, something like that. It uh, put a little bit of a damper on things, but uh, they followed it up with the Georgetown win on Sunday, and they are still in contention for a top half finish in the Big East. And like I like I, I'm not just like 
giving lip service here. Like, I legitimately enjoy watching, like, women's college basketball basketball because it's pretty similar style, in my opinion. Um, and it has not, like, a completely comparable amount of fanfare, but, like, there's a decent amount of hype going into March. And come March, I am just always jonesing for just a hit another hit of college basketball and so uh junkie the, the women's game does not disappoint in any way so it's definitely something i'm going to be paying attention to that was the women's update we would be extremely fortunate were the market women to give us alternate programming um, yes, March, absolutely. Because um, I think there is um, a chance that March is another difficult month for market men. Who? Uh, this was it was uh, 2017, I believe, where uh, the men's team lost to Seton Hall and. The next weekend, the women's team lost in the final seconds as a five seed to a team that I am not looking up right now because I definitely remember it, and I'm not stalling by looking it up. Hey, they can say a lot of things about me. When you say Seton Hall, you mean South Carolina? Yes, you're right, South Carolina. That That is what I meant. Yeah, I was confused. Uh, I was like, what are you talking about with Seton Hall? Like, why are you talking about the tournament and then referencing? But, yeah, no, we figured it out. Uh, who did they lose to? Look it up. Come on. This is the part of the podcast called Ben Googling Things. It's, it's a great segment. Quinnipiac. Oh, gosh. 68-65. Famous political poll university. Correct. Uh, Market Law usually puts out a decent amount of polls around uh, around election time, so it was a nice little uh, polling data off. As when, I was a, when I was a, a, a local journalist, I was uh, very on the Market Law poll. Uh, nice. Following that. Nice. Um, Want to do teams we like? We can do teams we like. Okay. couple nominees. Mm, Michigan, I already said, I like Michigan. I think they've got a lot of um, pieces from some very good teams still hanging around. I know the Xavier Simpson hookshot isn't efficient, but it looks cool, so I like it. Yep. Uh, He's fourth in the country in assist rate. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a big factor in their recent stretch has been Isaiah Livers coming back. Um, yeah. Isaiah Rivers has, is not all the way back by any means, but um, for them to get up to 10 in Ken Palm, um, for, for uh, clarity, they were a month ago, they were 30. Um, to go from 30 to 10 in Ken Palm is really difficult. It's quite Especially difficult. this late in the season. Um, so, yeah, they're a team to watch on the rise. Um. Okay team I'm not sure I like, but I want to like because the high major teams are bad this year, BYU. Mm, um, yeah. The the Mormons beat the Zags on Saturday um, mm. pretty comfortably. 
Um, yeah. They're the best three-point shooting team in the country. Yeah. Um, they don't play good enough defense for me to want to take them to make a Final Four. Um, but they have sort of the classic mix of your typical Mormon-looking dudes mm-hmm. and then just one really good big guy, similar to what they had in the Jimmer era with Jimmer, some other some other dudes, and Brandon Davies. Mm-hmm. Um, Yoli Childs is a really, really talented center um, who, when he's been able to be healthy, he's only played 17 games this year. Um, he's been really good. Um, so there, they have a guy, uh, Zach Seljas. I, I forget if it's Zeljas or Seljas. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I made a point earlier this year. Hashtag I made a tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, I showed a picture of Zach and a picture of Nicolas Cage in the movie Racing Arizona. And I think it was the best comparison anyone has made in the history of comparisons. So really, if that's anyone high, in the word, anyone, Oh man, that's high praise is what I was going to say, which is the, the Andy Samberg, uh, Nicholas cage joke. Yeah. Nice. Um, so if anyone tries to make a comparison between those two in March, uh, please, uh, harass them and write threatening letters to their families saying that I was the first one to do it. Please cease and desist and uh, contact Ben's attorney. Yeah, me and my uh, 300 followers will come at you. Exactly. Um, a team that I like, I think they are pretty underrated. I really like Michigan State. Oh, uh, no. Wow. Cassius. Cassius. I just think I the supporting him. cast sucks, and he can't play on his own. I believe in Rocket Watts. I shouldn't, but I do. It's If they had any shooters, any shooters on this team. Aaron Henry's kind of good. No, but, like, I mean, a he's bit. a 35% three-point shooter. Like, imagine Cassius Winston... It's like right on the borderline of what you need. Imagine Cassius Winston with like two 40% three-point shooters around him. I have a heavy preference for dudes with headbands. So yeah. that is 80% of the reason why I'm in on Michigan State. But going into the year, Cassius was the one player that I said with absolute shirt certainty he is better than Marcus Howard. I still believe that, mm-hmm. even though he has not had the greatest year ever. Um, but he, to me, is the most perfect point guard. And him being a senior and this being a Tom Izzo team, I will probably have him going far in my bracket. My only concern with them is they've lost almost every big game on their schedule. They beat Maryland that one time. Wait, no, never mind. Literally the opposite happened. No. Never mind. Yeah, that's incorrect. The 14 the 0 run is definitely uh, not a point in my favor. No, I was thinking of the Illinois game where um, right. Darren Williams uh, did the free throw motion. Right, and then Dosunmu almost died at the end. Yeah, I definitely thought that his leg was going to need to get cut off. Yeah, and he's back and smoked Penn State already. 
uh, last Yeah, week. that was a fantastic performance. Yep. Illinois is good, so, man. Illinois is sneaky good. Kofi, uh, hashtag not Cockburn, Coburn. Coburn, yep. Don't don't yeah. pronounce his name in a funny sexual way. Um, last team I like, uh, Texas Tech. Ooh, Davide. Yes, lo- big Davide guy. Davide might be my um, might be my spiritual successor to Kyle guy. He's not quite on that level wow. for me, but it's just, I have a similar. He's a similar type of player, um, which is why I enjoy him. I do. Um, I do. I love uh, Jameis Ramsey. Well, and I trust Chris Beard more than almost any coach in the country. Um, yeah. And I, I think Texas Tech plays in a way that is very conducive to – like even if they're not the most talented this year, like their team last year was obviously better. Um, but they play in a way that leads to success in March. Um, the one – thing that you can nitpick is they had a really bad stretch to start the season where they lost consecutive games to Iowa, Creighton, and DePaul. Um, two, those, to DePaul. two of those were overtime losses, so not the most egregious. But yeah, losing at DePaul wasn't great. Um, and then in conference, they have lost three road games that they should not have. Um, so that's a little concerning. Um, and then they've lost at home to Baylor and Kansas and had a great game against Kentucky that they almost won as well. Um, but so Texas Tech, recent success, similar um, roster with a little less talent. Chris Beard is great. That is a team that I'm willing to trust. I, I can agree with that. Any other names you'd like to throw on the on the fire? Uh, a team I don't like, uh, Cincinnati. They uh, they beat Wichita State again. Uh, Wichita State has not beaten Cincinnati since they joined the American Athletic Conference. That is surprising. Jaron Cumberland is, I described him about a year ago as a Buffalo that took ballet classes. Mm. And it is, he is the perfect storm of a guy that can just single-handedly beat a Greg Marshall team. That's a very my first ever my first ever Wichita State game. I went with my dad to uh, the game that was on CBS at the end of the 2018 season, and it was probably one of the better games that I've seen in person. Um, and uh, that was one of the more heartbreaking performances, though, because because uh, uh, Cincinnati just uh, went off, and then they lost to Nevada in the tournament. So suck on that, Mick Cronin. That, that, that's, that, that's all I have to say now? about Cincinnati. Who is Cincinnati's coach now? John, John Brennan. Brennan? Is it? Yeah, I think he's what? an assistant. Oh, wait, no, he coached uh, Northern Kentucky last year. Why is it spelled Brennan? I don't like that. You tell me. Oh, team, team I really like, and it's really freaking obvious, but I just want to drill it again, having watched them win a big game this weekend. Kansas. Shout out Kansas. Kansas is really good. And in a year where no one is really good, Kansas is really good. Do you know who would enjoy a guy like Marcus Garrett? Marquette. I, I would 
That I think anyone would enjoy a guy like Marcus Garrett. He, if he had like a little bit of actual offensive skill, like transferable to the NBA offensive skill, he would be by far and away best player in the country. Wow. Because he is, he is an amazing defender. Yep. Yeah, that's the word for sure. Yeah. Um, so will also be back for the tournament. Kansas is just, he's just not going to play. Yeah, they don't need exactly. But I'm just like, Kansas has seven or eight dudes that are just. Silvio did have a great run in the Big 12 and the NCAA tournament in uh, 2018 also in that Final Four run. When they like, against... like conjured him off of the, off of, they like pulled his red shirt or whatever. No, uh, you're thinking of Ochai Baji last year, um, but Silvio, uh, it took him. Oh, that's about, right. That was a Baji, wasn't it? Jeez. That was last I... year. Uh, the year before that, uh, he had some, el- Silvio had some eligibility issues and uh, the NCAA cleared him. Uh, Silvio D'Souza bit. eligibility issues? Wild. <laughs> Never. But yeah. He went absolutely off in the Big 12 tournament, uh, had a great game against West Virginia in the Big 12 final, and uh, that was a, that was a weird Bill Self team where he actually was forced to play four guards, and right. one of those guards, uh, Sviatoslav Mikhailuk, Sweet. just completely shut down Marvin Bagley in the Elite Eight. Like It was the weirdest defensive performance I've ever seen. Svee was, was in the Rising Stars game. On, Chat uh, speed. Yep, I was like, I was like watching with my roommate, who's an NBA guy. I was like, who's that? He's like, that's Makai Luke, and I was like, from Kansas, really? Yeah. Dude in the NBA? Yeah, uh, I, I kind of remember him like uh, making some noise early on. Uh, some of my uh, Kansas followers uh, were very uh, giving him high praise. That's high praise. Um, we're we're nearing an hour here. Um, yeah, look at that. Do you have anything else? Uh, uh, the Oregon Stanford game has been on uh in the background. The women's game. Uh, Sabrina. Oh yeah. Yanescu. Yanescu. Yanescu is She is maybe the greatest player I've ever seen. Like she's just she, completely she, dominating. She is very very good, and. I was also thrown that you were describing the Pac-12 game, and then I realized you must have been talking about women's basketball because the Conference of Champions on the men's side at least only plays in um, on t- Thursdays and Saturdays usually. So That's I was right. good thrown. Uh, anyhow. Um, beat all right, let's, Hall. Wrap, let's wrap up. Well, beat freaking Georgetown. Oh, my God. Yeah. Please. Beat Georgetown. But then, yeah, I mean – that's that's where your focus has got to turn. Win two games this week. How about that? Yeah. Please, please. Uh, just do it for us. For me. For me. And for me and only me. <laughs> the truest fans of Marquette. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you guys next week.